0: Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away.
1: This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Hey, everyone. Now is a new episode of the How to Trade It podcast, and I'm here with Doc Severson from Ready, Set, Dot, Trade. Doc, thanks for being with us today.
2: Great to be here, Casey. Thanks for inviting me.
1: My pleasure. I invited you because you have a lot of information, experience, and great insight that I want to just pull out of you so that the audience, our listeners, will get the best possible experience. And for my own personal reasons, I learn a lot from my guests. So Doc, tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: We've been down here in Greenville, South Carolina for about a year. Otherwise spent most of my time up in Ohio. So Midwest guy generally, but tired of the winters, ready for some heat and humidity. So I've been trading since the mid nineties in stocks and everything like that. And that's back in the days when it was relatively easy to make money, because stocks were, I'd say, relatively discounted. I mean, hugely discounted to today's prices. And it was relatively easy, except the thing that you had to account for was that every commission was about $60 a round trip in and out. So you really had to plan your trades out. But making money was relatively easy back in the 90s. And then 2000 happened, and I realized I didn't know what I was doing. And so... <laughs> I kind of backed away from that for a few years. And then in 2004, I attended a seminar, a live seminar, one of these big motivational seminars. And a guy started talking about stock market and options. And it just lit me up. And I jumped out of my seat and I wasn't signed up for their package, their program. And I've been on that track ever since. So that was 2004. I quit my job about 18 months after that point, And I've been a solopreneur, market trader, and most recently a coach as well, too, during that time.
1: So you said that in 2000 that you learned that you really didn't know what you were doing. Was that just a situation where it was pretty easy in the 90s? We had the tech boom, stocks were going up, the market was going up. It was just kind of point and shoot at that point. And then when the crash hit, surviving in the crash is a whole nother story.
2: Well, everybody's a genius in a bull market. And my edge, if you will, back then was the fact that I understood the tech market well because I worked in tech. And so I knew what things were going to be hot and I knew what technologies were going to be speculative back then. So it was relatively easy to make money back then in those days. But then when the market turned, all of a sudden I was no different. I had no edge, right? I was no different than anybody else in the herd. And as a result of that, I kept buying on the way down until I finally realized by the end of 2008, you know, let's just pull out of this thing because it's not heading back up again. So I went dormant for about two, three years while I was kind of, you know, just pulled back from it. It wasn't until 2004 when all of a sudden the answer came to me.
1: So in 2004, you signed up for a training course and got kind of reignited. What were some of the key things you learned that you started to do a little differently?
2: Well, first of all, it was around options, because in the 90s, all I was doing was just stock trades. And those required a lot of capital. And of course, you know, basically, unless you're going to short something, everything has to go higher. And then the mid 2000s, everything was very choppy back then. It was, yeah, we were in a small bull market from 2003 to about 2007 is when things started to turn in the latter part of that year. But you can make money with that, but you could do much, much better if you understood options and were able to trade some of the neutral strategies through options. And that's really what lit me up around that time.
1: Okay. So when you say neutral strategies, does that mean like you're taking spreads, like option spread type trades?
2: Well, you're trading for the stock to be inside of a range, like with either credit spreads or iron condors, or they could be time spreads like calendars, you know, or the other, you know, 46 names that are out there for option strategies, although I tend to keep things simple these days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the names can be pretty, I get very intimidated when I hear like the triple straddle, iron condor, butterfly. I'm like, what? You just totally lose me when you talk like that. (laughs) So is that a more consistent and safer approach and it's more friendly during a down market?
2: Well, it can be. Now, what happens during a down market, I'm shifting into coach mode here, but so you have to forgive me for that, but what happens during a down market is that markets become much more chaotic. They've become much less linear, I guess the word is for that, much less predictable. If markets ever were predictable, they become almost impossibly so during a, a down move. And this is why so many people do not do well during that, because every rally that you'll see In fact, one of the things that I've learned is like during a corrective move, most of the candles are still green, right? So you get this sort of false sense of positive during a corrective move. And all of a sudden, when the red shows up, it's huge. And so this is one of the many, many reasons why corrective markets are so difficult. And this is why I realized I was outclassed in 2000. And actually, I did get outclassed again in 2008, just with with the rest of everybody else.
1: Okay, so those spreads the range strategies will not work in a crash market. So uh-huh. that was another trading difficulty for you.
2: Oh, absolutely. Trading is a series of, I guess, dawning awarenesses on your consciousness because when you realize that you've got something figured out, there's usually another awakening right around the corner because the market's always got something to teach you. It's whether or not you're receptive to what the market's you know, actually trying to tell you. The market's always trying to tell you what it's doing. Many times, though, we just don't have the, we get the confirmation bias, we get the cognitive biases that sort of give us that myopia, so we don't really see what's happening right in front of our noses.
1: So what happened to you in 2008 when you were, you know, you were cruising along, doing good with your option strategy, what happened to your trading account in 2008?
2: Oh, I took a fairly sizable haircut, and that was a little bit of a shock because I was doing very, very well, and up to that point, I'd gotten very, very confident in what I was doing, which is what I've learned now is actually a warning signal to start to to thin out your portfolio when that happens. But, yeah, that was a real shock, and it came, and this is what happens to a lot of retail traders is they get very good on the offense. It's almost like a football game, Casey, where you learn – you know your your offense can be great, but if your defense isn't there, if your risk management is slightly below par, the market will find out your weaknesses. It will almost has eyes to it, and it's usually again something that you're opening yourself up to.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. One of the things that I like to say is that when you're doing the right thing consistently, the market will eventually reward you with some big winners. But if you're doing the wrong thing. Consistently, the market Mm -hmm. will reward you with some massive losers. You know, if you're not managing your risk, you know, if you're keeping it open, you might go on a win streak for a while, but eventually it's going to get you.
2: Yeah. Default mode is to eat like a bird and crap like an elephant. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard that one before.
1: I actually haven't, but it makes sense. I'm getting the visual right now. (laughs) Cool. So in 2008, what did you learn and what did you adjust and what are you doing differently now because of what you learned? Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it.
2: Oh, risk management. Risk management was number one. And really, a lot of that kicked off what I've learned about the market since then and how the markets move, because I understand now that range contraction is just a prelude to range expansion. So when markets contract and they compress in terms of range, they're about ready to move. And so I've gotten used to being lulled to sleep because that range contraction would work so well with my non-directional strategies, the neutral strategies. But really you're just being set up for the next big move, and so it's understanding the difference between what phase the market's in whether it's compressing going into contraction or about ready to move and an expansion mode and so it's given me a much better sense of how to stay in sync with the market so that was one as well as the just the general risk management had to be upgraded
1: okay those are two really good points risk management we always talk about that that's really critical the contraction I'm really interested in so when the market's contracting that's an indication that it's going to make a big move because uh, not always, but it could just liquidity could just be dying up and people aren't interested. But if it's a legit, if it's vendor, an
2: actively traded instrument, it is coiling up yeah. like a winding a spring into your hand.
1: Right. So, with that being said, usually when that happens, you cannot predict the direction it's going to go, and you also cannot predict when it's going to go. So, at least that's my experience. If you know more, you can tell me. But with your range strategies. Mm-hmm. Are you still trying to play that range or are you just not even doing that now? You're just waiting for it to actually make its move.
2: What I've changed the most is being able to anticipate the phase change between the two. So when you see a market just going ballistic like this, this is when most people that are trading range strategies will step back from it and they'll wait until it just kind of walks sideways for an extended period of time. And they'll wait until things feel comfortable. And this is one of the things that I'm constantly harping on with the people that I work with is that you've got to learn to take the trades that feel uncomfortable because the herd is waiting for everything to feel comfortable. Oh, we have a sideways market. Let's put on an iron condor now. Well, that's about to get run through like a sieve, right? So when markets are going sideways for a period, that's when they're about to break out. And meanwhile, this is when most of the herd is actually applying a neutral strategy to it. And they wonder why they consistently get run over. So it's about shifting the awareness to being more anticipatory for these types of moves instead of being reactive to it. But we can put a box around a range and say, well, we're just going to take this way. Whatever way it breaks out is the way that we're going to take this trade."
1: So since you're more anticipatory, what are some of your secret methods for being able to anticipate when and what direction a break is going to occur?
2: That's why I wrote this book here, so. <laughs> oh man, that looks huge. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple hundred pages. Yeah, it's Fractal okay. Energy Trading. I just put this out on Amazon this winter, but this is a technique that I have taught for the better part of the last 10 years now. And it revolves around understanding price action, first of all. So what I have to do is I have to get people to strip off all the oscillators and the MACDs and the moving averages and all the other junk from their charts. And just like, Simplify it down to reading price and what price is doing, and then understanding this sort of compression expansion behavior. Because quite honestly, when was the last time you saw an overbought signal really mean anything? You know, overbought and oversold are really the the kind of the foundation of technical analysis that's been taught over the last 20 years, but I don't think it works anymore. But what I have found is that this sort of expansion and contraction does work. And it is constant and it's a cycle that never ends. And so I get opportunities in both ways, whether something is compressing or something is expanding. And then using price action to actually accurately figure out which way it's going as it breaks the range. Because, you know, again, price never lies. And so what I've done is over my time, I've become simpler and simpler and simpler in terms of what I look at. So I use very few indicators Very few studies, you know, just one or two, just to keep things simple. And I basically focus on price now.
1: Okay. Well, this is good. So it's called Fractal Energy Trading. Right. I'm going to put the link in the description for people that want to check it out. It's available on Amazon. So we'll put that link. You guys can grab that. Very cool. I will probably go grab a copy myself. However, I have a comment about your oversold scenario. So if you're using the RSI or the Stochastics and it's giving you an overbought, you know, like 70 or 80 or whatever the level is. What I would say is that a lot of times that is when you will see the market begin to do what you're saying is expanding and contracting, it, it starts to consolidate. And it doesn't really indicate that the market's going to all of a sudden go down, but it will slow down until it does decide to make its next move. And sometimes it will move down a little bit, fake people out, you know, catch a bunch of orders. For people going short and then continue right on in the direction of the move, but it still does work because it will also has the opportunity to correct and then go down as well. But you really, for me, I've never been able to really predict what the market's going to do. I just try to respond to what it's currently doing.
2: I think oversold in the context of a larger time frame uptrend does still work. I mean, you can still use oscillators and oversold conditions because you know one of the things I've also learned is that bottoms are an event. Tops are a process. So when the top is happening, you're getting all this noise coming in. And this is why, you know, during the overbought phase, you can stay overbought for literally forever until the final release. So I just see it all the time in message boards. I see it in Facebook groups and things like that. People getting irritated literally physically irritated with the market just because it won't go down and it won't do what they think it's supposed to do. Right. Just based on, well, the MACD is crossed to the downside. Why isn't this pulling down? Maybe it's because there is so much liquidity out there looking for a home with bonds near zero percent yield that it ain't going to go down. You know, so we have a different world now and we have to adjust to what we look at to be able to come up with signals for that.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I wasn't disagreeing. I was just adding my two cents to the conversation. But yeah, I think that something that's moving and trending can really go forever until it doesn't. But that's been my well, my it, best it, move it is catch, will, catch moves.
2: It typically will trend further than we expect it to. And we assign our own value system to markets, don't we? Don't we see that everywhere? It's like, this can't keep going higher the fundamentals are turning down you know like we try to apply our own linear logic to markets and they laugh at us cuz markets are irrational and it sometimes it takes a long time for people that have come from careers that you know where they put little things in the right boxes that's their job is to put things in the right box and be logical about everything right And then they come into markets and think that that success that they had in their career will translate linearly over to success in the market. And they're extremely disappointed. And they tend to get very defensive about it. And they start to lash out, well, it's because of those whales or those market makers or those HFT guys. And they blame it on anybody else. But markets are not rational. They're not going to. Like, look at what's happened over the last six months. Everybody that has a logical brain on their head is saying, look, we have... You know, it's a recession. We have like all of these people sitting out on work, you know, with no jobs. Look at all the jobs that we've lost. And yet the market's at all time highs and they can't figure it out. Right. It makes no sense at all. If
1: you would have asked people six months ago where we would be, I don't think people would be saying we'd be sitting at the highs. Very true.
2: Yep. The market will always find a way to punish the conventional thinkers. What I've noticed.
1: Leadership is the most important element when it comes to successful investing. That's why each week of the Finance and Markets newsletter, we highlight a CEO who has created tremendous growth through outstanding leadership. Get the next Growth Superstar story by going to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. So what are some of the things you would recommend for somebody that was looking to get into trading right now? what would be a good way for them to try to get their feet wet and to learn and to get started?
2: Well, I would say, I think people need to go speed dating, first of all. So I've never done this before, but maybe you're familiar with the concept of speed dating where you just get a bunch of people in a room and then you rotate every 10 minutes, right? So you're forced to rotate to a different partner and you see if there's a connection or not. You know, that's my impression of speed dating. So I think that's what people need to do. There's a guy, who everybody needs to read, whose name is Brett Steenbarger. And he's written some phenomenal books about just the business of trading and how to overcome this dinosaur brain that's up here. And speed dating is where you sort of get exposure to a lot of different things that are in the market. So maybe people start with stock trading. And maybe you get a little bit of exposure to futures. And maybe you get a little bit of exposure to options. And that whole grand, broad, you know, Options are so wide, there's so many different things you can do. Or maybe it's even into cryptocurrencies or something like that. There's just so many dozens of ways that you can learn to trade. But the whole point behind doing something like this is not to get a little bit of experience and then hope you can make successful. Because what are we taught? We're taught to diversify, right? Well, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. But actually, I disagree with that. I think what you have to do is you have to sort of scan the area and find the one thing That's going to make it happen for you. The one thing that, as Brett says, gives you the rage to master, because to make it in this business, you have to be maniacal about one thing. You have to master one thing and you can't master 32 strategies at once. You can't master a watch list of 200 stocks and hope to find the character in those and the edge in those. You have to pick one thing. And uh, by doing the speed dating thing and perhaps doing that through paper trading and not risking any capital, you can get a sense of like the broad exposure of the markets, but you should be looking for the one thing that really catches your eye that you can commit to.
1: Well, that's a different take on it. Usually people say they don't want you to do system jumping, (laughs) but you're saying just initially Until you finally
2: find the one. Because what I see people doing, Casey, and this is like, everybody does this. What they do is they get excited by somebody's package and somebody's program. And so they invest whatever it is into that. And they commit themselves for like three or four months. And then they take a couple of trades. They don't work out. So they immediately give up. They just say, well... This isn't for me. I can't seem to get any sense of confidence from it. Oh, look at that over there. Look at that bright, shiny penny over there. They make it look so good too. They make it look so good. So what happens is instead of somebody getting 10 years of experience and gaining mastery in it, you get six months of experience 20 times, right? So you just never really master anything. You Mm. get to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And this is what I see from so many people that they get started on something and they go, oh, well, okay, I guess I'm no good at this and so I'll try something else. And it really, what you learn is after being in this business for a while, it's all really the same. It's all about risk management. It's all about taking entries that feel difficult to take. It's all about identifying your edge, what edge you have in the market. No strategy is any different. There is no holy grail that's out there, but there is one thing that you will commit yourself to and something that you can get excited by and something where you can go deep and you have to go deep in this business. So, yeah, I did eventually circle around and say, you start with speed dating, but eventually you got to focus on one thing.
1: And I like that, especially the idea of going deep, because you can have a lot of market knowledge and know about a lot of different markets, and you can know all the concepts and all the keywords and all the definitions, and you know, you can have a great conversation and you can fake it, <laughs> but unless you have that deep experience and really... It's an experiential thing that happens after just diving into it for a long time.
2: Casey, that's exactly what happened to me because after going through, like for about 18 months, as I was saying, like I went to every seminar that I could, I, you know, I attended, if there was a group meeting within 300 miles, I'd jump in my car and go meet them for coffee. You know, like I was an animal about this stuff because I had the inspiration, but I also had the desperation. I was so frustrated with what I was doing for a living at the time. And so I just wanted to get out and I wanted to get towards this. So inspiration, desperation, push and pull. And I was the smartest guy at the party. I could just like what you're saying, I could like rip off like, well, did you know that Vega means this and uh, theta, you know, and I could quote the Black-Scholes theorem and, you know, all these other useless little bits of information. And I at any given time, I had 50 trades in my trading account, but I was not making any money. And it was tremendously frustrating to know all of these great things and yet still lack the ability to make money, to get over the hump, right? To quit pushing the stone up the hill and have it roll back to the beginning. And so it was that one thing. It was the, I finally got to the point where I just sort of, I cleared off my desk and I said, okay, I'm going to start from scratch here. I'm going to pick one chart, one strategy, and I will not move until I master it. And that was it. Three months later, I put in my notice. I was done. That's what it takes.
1: Yeah. No, that's really good commitment. Really just commitment to going after it. You know, that's one of the reasons why I like bringing people like you on the show is because it can be discouraging. Trading can be really discouraging. And that's why they say, you know, the statistics, 90% of the people or 95% end up quitting before they actually achieve success. You know, that's why I bring people like you on here to try and encourage people saying that if Doc can do it, you guys can do it.
2: (laughs) Well, it's because trading is an unnatural act. It's an unnatural act. And we try to use all of our life skills to put to bear onto trading and none of them work because of the way I talked about risk. So for your entire life, you're taught that risk is a bad thing, right? Risk is a bad thing. You know, what's the least risky thing I can do? People don't actively go out. You know, there's some thrill seekers that are out there that sort of live that life, right? Like but, me. <laughs> right? Like if, if you're the type of guy that jumps out of airplanes and things like that, you know, God bless you but. You know, for most people, they don't do something like that. They're like, oh, that's risky. I don't want to do that. So now all of a sudden you get into a live market and you have to risk something to make a return. You cannot do that by waiting for things to feel perfect, because that means that you've just entered at the very highs, right? You've entered at the very top.
1: Right. You you wait for all that confirmation. And then by that time, it's ready to change on you.
2: It's an unnatural act. And so you have to learn to think differently.
1: Yeah. And it's just dealing with your emotions. There's so many different challenges that occur, the highs and the lows. And, you know, you look at everybody else, you know, you're struggling and especially now with social media, because everybody on social media is making all this money. You know, there's not a bad trader on Twitter. They're all amazing. And you're sitting there looking at your account like, what the heck, man? Why am I the only guy in the world that loses? You know, it can be a little rough. Or when you go through a massive winning streak, and you're making all this money and then you end up giving it back plus 20 extra percent. You know, you work two months, you know, like that. It was that elephant analogy. You work two months slugging away, making all this money, you know, like putting your heart and soul into it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone in an instant because you made one dumb move. I mm-hmm. guess you know, that can be really discouraging.
2: Yeah, it's easy to be human. I mean, you have to learn to think differently to make money in this market. And to it's not what you make. It's what you get to keep that counts in this business.
1: Yeah. And that can go away really quick. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Really quick. So always be ready for that big move. So doc, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed talking with you. The listeners are getting a lot out of this as well. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to now and where people can find you online.
2: Probably the easiest way to find me online is at readyset.trade. So it's a service that I run with my son, Charlie. And I've been doing this now for 15 years in one form or another, but it's something that we just built at the beginning of this year. And the whole idea for this is to get people onto that sort of conveyor belt of getting consistent wins. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to show people how to make something modest like $100 a day and just sort of set up the groundwork so that you can get in the mode of that system, like where you're starting to win consistently and you see what the difference is for you to be able to accomplish something like that. So again, you know, they always say that goals are great for people that want to win once, but systems are there for those that want to win repeatedly. And so this is what we focus on is like, how do you build the systems necessary, not just the strategies, but also just the How do you go about looking at what you're doing to correct it and improve your strategy? That's something that we specialize in as well, too.
1: Very cool. So when you're talking about $100 a day, I think that's a really good goal because it's not so much that it's unachievable. You know, when you have unachievable goals that can kind of discourage you or maybe not unachievable, but really, really hard. $100 a day, I think anybody can do. And you could do that with a relatively modest trading account don't have to have big bucks and it will make a big difference on your life. I do have a question though, when you're looking at hundred dollars a day as your goal, how many days out of the week or how many days out of a month do you think someone can achieve that? Is that like a guaranteed everyday thing or is it like, what's the daily ratio you think?
2: Well, it's built up from we're going to do some longer term trades that are maybe into play for six weeks or so. And so maybe the time decay on those Is going to be on the order of five or $10 a day, something like that. And we build up some of this passive income inventory that's just working in the background, making money while we sleep. So that to me is extremely important. Like if you're going to build a house, you're going to first thing you have to do is to dig a footer, which is something you'll never see again. Right. And so you build a basement on top of that, which is again something you don't look at every single day. So Got everybody out there trying to build the second floor and get these big, you know, high gain winning trades going every day. We don't necessarily have to do that. What's really important is to build the foundation at the bottom of these very simple income trades that we place for, you know, a number of weeks. And that builds up quite a bit of it. And then as we look at trades that we can take on a daily basis, such as the zero days to expiration, some of the either directional or non directional trades that come into play, which You know, at one point we were running, I think, an 83% win rate on those during the summer. That's when the character was perfect for those types of things. So we definitely, when the iron's hot, we go after it, right? But when things are cold and in a corrective market, we'll look to do things like sell puts onto the pullbacks. So it may not be something that pays off today, but it's going to pay off in six weeks. So we just continually look to establish that foundation for things so that you're not stressing about like, oh, I'm only at $93 today. I need seven more. You know, it's about building the system rather than pushing it too hard.
1: I see what you're saying. That's really good. Okay. Well, for everybody that's listening, you guys can go to readyset.trade to try out Doc's materials and check out his website and see what he's doing. He likes to focus on really getting you guys to learn his system, accomplish achievable goals, and focus on the one thing rather than chasing all those shiny objects doc i really enjoyed having you on the show thanks so much for being here
2: yeah thank you casey all right
1: guys that's it for today's episode all the links will be talked about in the description along with doc's book will be there as well make sure you guys check all that out thanks everybody until the next episode of the how to trade it podcast thanks for listening to the how to trade it podcast our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at com. Thank you.
0: For tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.